control. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you news in tech from around Ireland and of course around the world every Friday evening on RT Radio. Or you can get it first on Friday mornings or anytime you like, of course, with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Today uh, we have a show which we originally recorded about three weeks ago, but with so much going on in September, we were unable to bring it to you until now. It's all about space, which has been an incredibly hot topic this year, not just with SpaceX and Blue Origin and Virgin Atlantic all going into orbit, but also with some really good high quality sci-fi shows uh, just starting or about to start on streaming TV services also. Despite all of these latest high-tech goings-on, we began the conversation with a quote from a man speaking in 1964. Listen to this. It's quite amazing. But what about the city of the day after tomorrow? Say, the year 2000. I think it will be completely different. In fact, it may not even exist at all. Oh, I'm not thinking of the atom bomb and the next Stone Age. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough which has been made possible by developments in communications, particularly the transistor and, above all, the communications satellite. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be, where we can contact our friends anywhere on Earth, even if we don't know their actual physical location. It will be possible in that age, perhaps only 50 years from now, for a man to conduct his business from Tahiti or Bali just as well as he could from London. In fact, if it proves worthwhile, almost any executive skill, any administrative skill, even any physical skill could be made independent of distance. I am perfectly serious when I suggest that one day we may have brain surgeons in Edinburgh operating on patients in New Zealand. When that time comes, the whole world will have shrunk to a point. And the traditional role of the city as a meeting place for man would have ceased to make any sense. In fact, men will no longer commute. They will communicate. They won't have to travel for business anymore. They'll only travel for pleasure. I only hope that when that day comes and when the city is abolished, The whole world isn't turned into one giant suburb. That man talking was Arthur C. Clarke, and he was just... One of your favourite writers? I just think he's he's amazing. The the satellites that are in geosynchronous orbit around Earth, okay, uh, they are in what's known as the Arthur C. Clarke belt. Because he figured out how to put a satellite and to keep it over the same spot on Earth in the 50s before we ever sent any satellite out into space. So, like, that was wow. And then you just heard that quote. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh it, it has happened. It has actually happened. And, like, you know, I heard it before, years ago, and it was all about communications and the internet and a man won't have to go to work and all that kind of stuff. But uh, when I found it again this week, that whole thing about working from home and mm-hmm. it will be the end of cities. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's going on with COVID at the moment. 
Uh, yeah, it certainly was the end of uh, the end of City when the first level five uh, lockdown showed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything closed down. What what really scares me about that prediction, however, is okay. We've we've got the convenience out of the way. You know, we 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 do business. You know, across continents, across whatever via video chat, and and that's fine. However, there's more than one reason to live in a city rather, you know, beyond going into work. Cities are also our cultural and artistic hubs as well. I mean, cities are where people naturally congregate, where people naturally meet, where people go to uh, engage in some sort of cultural exchange. Mm. Whereas the suburbs uh, generally tended to be where you put yourself after your working day. I think the way I look at cities is cities seem to be like places for I don't want to say young people or whatever, but generally it's kind of like you grow up, you want to go to a city because that's where people mm. are. And it's, as you say, all the cultural stuff is is, is there and it's exciting. Mm. Uh, but then after a while, you kind of go, oh, do you know, my head needs a little space. Then you're into the suburbs. <laughs> there, there is that all right. And there are parts of uh, Dublin where, where we were recording at the moment mm. that fall into that kind of old city kind of thing. Yeah, well, where it's you've Georgia, got, Dublin we are. Yeah. yeah, you've got areas like Portobello, which are these tiny little enclaves hmm. that are actually smack bang in the middle of the city. But as soon as you turn onto a street like, say, Sing Street or whatever, hmm. it goes deathly quiet. I know. And I've noticed that in cities uh, elsewhere in the world on my travels where I will be staying in a city centre location. Hmm. And you kind of, oh, God, I'm never going to get any peace. And yeah, it can be deadly quiet. Even New yeah. York, I remember uh, wandering around New York at half three, four o'clock in the morning. Mm. deadly quiet nobody and I kind of go this is midtown Manhattan what's yeah. going on New York is a very interesting case because mm. so many you can basically double the population of New York when you factor in the commuters ah by the time they all come into the city yeah I yeah. See. All right, okay. I, th- I think that's an extreme case of like New York does get very very quiet in the evenings it does are we talking about urban planning or are we talking about techie stuff? Yeah, okay. Let's, oh, let's, move, move, on. let's move on to techie stuff. <laughs> but Arthur C. Clarke's main point yeah. does does hold firm, as does his warning about everything turning into a suburb. Uh, mm. Oddly enough, if anyone is looking for a, 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 an interesting um, uh, extension on that idea, there's a film called Vivarium mm-hmm. on uh, Apple at the moment. It's um, directed by uh, two Irish guys, I think, uh, expanded from from a short film, which is you're probably better off tracking down on YouTube because it's a very it's a very simple idea that they expanded out to, to feature mm. length. And uh, it, it does play to this whole idea of the, the endless suburb, the endless, you know, culture free, homogenous suburb. What's it called again? Vivarium. Okay, another thing we're keeping an eye on with Apple TV and that kind of space related. That's the theme mm-hmm. for the future space, data, sci-fi, whatever. Uh, a lot of good things coming up on Apple TV. And I think the one we're most excited to see starts at the end of September as the uh, television version of Foundation. Yeah, I suppose if you're to ask any hardcore sci-fi fan the things they're most interested in this mm. year, um, number one would be... Denis Villeneuve's uh, version of Dune, mm-hmm. uh, seeing as he did, so he, I mean, the man is peerless as a, a filmmaker. I mean, his his work on um, uh, Blade Runner uh, 2049 was absolutely fantastic. Arrival, similarly fantastic film as Brilliant well. Movie, yeah. You know, just great at playing with ideas and visuals. I mean, the guy is the total package. So to, to think about what he's going to do with Dune, very, very excited about that. Uh, and of course, the second one is going to be Apple's I don't know, Apple's sanctioned version of Foundation. 
Um, uh, no, I don't think it's sanctioned. I don't think they're playing with it editorially. I think it's appropriate, kind of, if you like, that Apple are such a, a technology company and forward-looking mm. and stuff like that. So it's kind of appropriate. Mm. It's, it's most appropriate that Apple make it and not Netflix. Or uh, Yeah, or yeah. Whatever. I mean, the scale of it is the absolutely scale. astonishing. I mean, the scale of the book and the scale of the, the story. Now, from what I remember, okay, um, this was written, I think this was written in the 40s. It was a whole load of like short stories and then he, he formed it into three novels uh, in, in the 50s. Isaac Asimov hmm. anyway. Uh, and basically the whole story is about a galactic empire which is about to fall. And there's a mathematician in it, uh, Harry Seldon, who's kind of like looking at the statistics and the numbers and the da 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 And number one is he can predict hmm. the fall of the galactic empire. And then number two, he knows that it's going to take 30,000 years for it to recycle and mm. for civilization to come back and all that kind of stuff again. But because he's a mathematician, he knows that, well, if we make this little change here and this little change there, mm. da, 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 we can reduce that down to a thousand years. So, you know, at its shortest, we're looking at a thousand year millennium story. Yeah, yeah. And and there are a few nice quirks in there as well. I, I, I think it's in the third book. There's a character um, that is the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> that you know, he shows up, and uh, this this character called the mule is causing um, causing untold damage inverted yeah. commas, and it turns out no, 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 this is actually part of the simulation. You know, this is an an acceptable deviation that proves the worth of the model. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful story. Harry mm. Seldon himself is a great character. Sort of shows up in each book to go look. Yeah, this is what's going to happen, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, he does it like that, doesn't it? Pretty much. Have you read all three books? I read the three books. I haven't read any of the sort of expanded ones because okay. there there were extra books written by different people uh, thereafter. Um, I know there was a uh, Foundation on Earth. Uh, there there was a bunch of books to do with sort of Foundation. And, and they were, kind of they were written in the 80s, I think. Mm. Didn't bit, read those. Yeah, a bit like Star Wars, isn't it? There's a whole lot of Star Wars books and novels. Oh, yeah. And, and James Bond. And, and, you know, Chandler had the, the mantle taken upon him with with his stories as well. I mean, right. if a brand is strong enough, so yep. there's, somebody will, will pick it up. And At Foundation was very much a, um, an inspiration for the Star Wars story, a lot of people say. Yeah, yeah. I I'm that that whole idea of the the falling galactic empire mm. um, certainly resonates uh, with an awful lot of people. But, but of yeah. course, you know, written in the forties, very much a product of its time, given what was happening in Germany and Italy with the rise of fascism. Crikey, do you know, I never even thought of that. I just kind of thought the 40s, that's 80 years ago, before, you know, man mm. ever went into space or the Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, you're yeah. right. This this is where science fiction for me is at its strongest, because I, I sat down and I was thinking about, you know, the things in science fiction over the last few years that really resonated for me. And it's not sort of the literal science fiction. It's, it's not the hardcore stuff uh, necessarily. Right. Um, I much as I enjoyed the foundation books, that's really not the style of science fiction that sort of gets me up in the morning. What what the films and the stories that really sort of affected me were the likes of Children of Men, which I just asked a very broad, very general question. It was the likes of Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, it was the likes of Minority Report, mm-hmm. very near future story, mm. uh, and of course anything with sort of a cyberpunk label on it because we're pretty much entering that kind of milieu now as virtual reality ramps up, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Uh, and of course, we, we now have this movement called cli-fi, 
uh, or climate fiction, which was um, pioneered by J.G. Ballard in his ecological thrillers, um, particularly Wind From Nowhere. Uh, I think the Terminal Beach counts as it as well, but also uh, The Drowned World, uh, which we're rapidly approaching, actually. Mm. Uh, but in both cases of The Wind From Nowhere and The Drowned World, uh, both dealing with extremes of weather and, um, you know, how people react to it. You know, what's the, how do people escape or propose to escape mm. from these things? What will society look like afterwards? Um, and some people are, you know, they're they're living in, I guess, sort of a, a solitary but kind of privileged position. And they're mm. quite happy. They actually, you know, ocean is rising around me so long as I'm here uh, and nobody's bothering me. I'm actually quite happy, even <laughs> though people are going, look, look, things are going to get much, much worse. You got to go. Gotta go. But listen, back to uh, Foundation. Sure. Uh, you're right. It, it is a sprawling mammoth work. And I believe, uh, from what I hear, Apple are going to support it all the way. Mm. I, I just think Game of Thrones in my head because they're looking at uh, doing eight series of 10 programs each. Wow. Wow. That's 80 episodes. 80 episodes. Now, the last time I watched something like that was uh, Galactica. Yeah, Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. That yeah. was and that was like fifty episodes. Yeah, which I thoroughly enjoyed. If, if that, yeah. Now it it went. The finale is very controversial. Still, I've grown to like it the more I've seen it. But I think that might be Stockholm syndrome. Okay, you know, it's like <laughs> I love this show so much. I can't bring myself to admit that the finale was a bit ropey anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, the show. It was a show that wasn't afraid to change what it was. Yeah. Um, starting off as a very um, focused military procedural and ending up as sort of a Shakespearean court drama, um, which uh, I thought was a very bold move, a very bold evolution. And I think it lost a lot of people along the way. I, th- I Yeah, I think you're right. I agree. I thought the end was just a bit. Do you know what I thought? I thought the end of it uh, was a little bit more like the end of a, a slushy romantic uh, comedy. <laughs> Well, it depends which ending you wanted because it sprawled off in so many directions and uh-huh. each sort of our, each story had its own little finish. Uh, and then, of course, it had that abysmal coda at the end, uh, which which I really did not like. And, you know, if you, anyway, that's, anywho, that's, that's that. We're, anywho, the foundation is the one we're interested in. That's it's it. on Apple you TV. Brought it up. Apple TV, it starts at the uh, end of September. And when you're watching it, partly filmed at uh, Troy Studios in Limerick. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Until COVID came along and ruined everything for everybody, but however. Uh, Another thing coming to Apple TV in October is Sam Neill, an actor that I really like. He was in all the Jurassic, not Mm -hmm. all the Jurassic, he was in the first Jurassic one. Um, But it's a a program called Invasion. And I don't think I have to tell you anymore because, you know, Sam Neill is in it. It's called Invasion. We're talking about sci-fi stuff. Is, right, the storyline. Is this another reworking of Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Uh, I don't know. if No, I don't think so. Uh, but it's kind of like an alien invasion and there's various different perspectives from around the world. I think it's more mm. inspired by War of the Worlds than anything else. Right. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch that because science fiction is at its strongest when it's multicultural. Yes. And you look to, the, you know, the original Star Trek and sort of that vision of the future yeah. where, you know, it, it, I mean, Okay, the pilot, the cage has mm. some thinly veiled misogyny in it. But anyway, um, you know, the the idea that, you know, everybody has a place and you know everyone is pulling towards the same direction. Everybody is on the same mission mm. and it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. Everybody is bought into the Federation. And, this is, and it's an idea that they explored in the last season of Discovery, uh, whether Federation was, was no more. Mm. Um, and what do you do? 
Um, so uh, a show that I kind of fell out with because I, I thought after during the first season, they pulled out all the greatest Trek hits and that was kind of fan service. And, uh, you know, it, I didn't really interest me going all right. going any further than that. But yes, for me, <laughs> science fiction is at its strongest when it's multicultural. So to see an alien invasion from multiple angles in a way that Independence Day, of course, didn't have the mm. the bandwidth to achieve uh, would be really interesting. And I'd love to see which country uh, adds which element of the solution or the resistance. You know, will Ireland be where people go for X because we have such a uh, Y resource? Well, there was, a, there was a survey recently that said one of the top three safest countries in the world, should there be a global disaster, is Ireland. And it's because we're an island nation. Yeah. However, uh, Invasion is the name of the show with Sam Neill. That's starting in late October on Apple TV. And then in November, uh, we've got another, it's a science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I like that. I prefer a movie to a series. At the moment, uh, yeah. So I get it all in two hours. It stars Tom Hanks. I really like Tom Hanks. Uh, the movie is called Finch. Uh, Tom is starring as a robotics engineer who survives uh, some kind of an apocalyptic event. Uh, he's in an underground bunker for like 10 years or something like mm. that with his dog. Um, and he is obviously going to die. Mm. So he makes a robot to look after his dog for when he's not around. Oh God, I'm crying already. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like a media kind of thing. This isn't science fiction. This is schmaltzy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's science fiction and Tom Hanks is in it and it it, it, it could be reasonable. Anyway, it's it's just a movie, all right? Uh, the other thing that kind of we were going to chat about today and it's kind of space related is what a year this year has been. Because we had, there was a really interesting fact uh, that got thrown up the other day. And let me ask you this, right? From when the Wright brothers... First flew in Kitty Hawk. Mm. How many years was it before man landed on the moon? Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I either know this or I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm going to say 80 years. 66 years. Oh, I wasn't too far wrong. Yeah. 1903 uh, and they landed on the moon in 1969. Imagine that. 66 years. Mm. That amount of progress. Okay. Now, since 1969 to now... <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons it's for, for various, various reasons. reasons and stuff like that um, but I think it's, it's all kind of kicking off and, and I'm delighted alright because if there was one thing I would love to have been old enough to see and appreciate it was man landing on the moon mm. I would have been beside myself up at whatever hour of the morning it was in, in mm. Ireland when they did it at two o'clock and to actually see Neil Armstrong put his foot on, on the moon it would have just blown my mind but anyway not old enough for that. Well, um, we we might get to see the first person set foot on Mars. Well, there you go. All right. And it's not only the first person to set foot on Mars, because Elon Musk, I think, is a very, very unusual. Do you know how we often say that uh, Facebook... Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook is like an alien, because mm. he looks like an alien. He acts like an alien, all right? Uh, I would say Mark Zuckerberg is like an alien for, for evil. <laughs> Right. Whereas Elon Musk is almost like an alien for good because he's well, what I mean is he's sitting there and he's saying to humanity, OK, we need to live on more than one planet. Mm. OK, we need to go to Mars. He's a visionary who says we need to go there and I am building rockets and he actually is mm. building rockets to go there. All right. But here's the bit that blows my mind is that Elon Musk is going, I want one million people on Mars by the year 2050. 
Now, the last time somebody made a bold, bold statement like that, it was President John F. Kennedy, who says we choose to go to the moon, not because da 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 and mm. so on and so forth. That's really the reason why we went to the moon. Mm. And nothing has happened since. Elon Musk now is putting his money where his mouth is and saying, I want one million people on Mars by 2050. And it seems to have kicked everything off again. Mm. Yeah, it does take that kind of vision. And it takes mm. vision from the right person. Like if it was the chief of staff in the Kennedy House, White House that said, yeah, we should do this. So, you know, it had to come from the man at the top. Mm. Uh, and Elon Musk is the man at the top. Um, another man at the top is Jeff Bezos, but he doesn't have the charisma. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, you know, he's living his best life. He's having his space adventure. Great. Good. You know, more power to him, you know. I mean, he's, but he's, he's wanted to it. do that. He's wanted to do that since he was a kid. Yeah. But I don't see him going, right, Mars, let's let's get some drilling rights in. No, he, does, he doesn't have that kind of um, uh, inspiration no. at all. No. But that's okay. I mean, not everyone has to. However, he is very involved with, because uh, NASA now, because all of this has kicked off, and this is what I think is interesting, is NASA are now talking about putting a, a base on the moon. Mm. Which yeah. we probably should have done 40 years ago when we first went there. Yeah. You know, but now they're starting to talk about putting a, a, a moon base up there. And they have they were talking to uh, Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin about it. Yeah. And I think Boeing got involved and Boeing got the contract and now Jeff Bezos is, right. uh, is suing or, or sometimes all got into court. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the fact is, is that they want to go to the moon again. Mm. So I think one thing that we're probably assured of in the next couple of years is that a man will land on the moon. Yeah. I'll be watching that. Or we'll, or we'll have uh, a recreation of the last two episodes of Space Force. <laughs> oh, no. Which, which are actually, great. You actually watched that all the way through. I did, and I liked oh, it. Oh, God, no. I, th I think I watched the first two episodes and I just went, even I can't watch this. Oh, no, the first episode <laughs> is not good. I will grant you that. Okay. Well, it gets better. Oh, does it? It gets a lot so better. So I should go back to it and go and back and go back and watch I, it. I really thought the first episode was just dreadful. It's pretty poor. It's pretty right, poor. Okay. All right. But uh, but the last two episodes then kind of leads up and it's a great cliffhanger. It's ah, a great cliffhanger. Okay, great. Okay, grand. Well, I will watch that again. So I think that's a uh, really uh, interesting that uh, NASA want to go back onto onto the moon. Then of course we have. Uh, as well as Blue Origin, we have the battle of the billionaires to get into space. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic. I really like his project. What's his project again? His project is uh, let's go for joyride to space, mm. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. There's four minutes of weightlessness. Thank you for your $400,000. Bye. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you would do that. Do you think if you were an old man of whatever, 70 or 80 or something like mm -hmm. that, and you go, do you know what? I'm just going to sell the damn house. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it all to Richard Branson and I'm going to go to space for four minutes just to see what it looks like. And then I'm going to pop my clogs. Uh, well, I mean, if your timeline is that short, why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'd do. I, I wouldn't sell my house now and go and then live the rest of my life in poverty. You know, nothing, nothing is worth four minutes of joy. We leave that hanging there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there, there's Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin, going to Mars. The, the, the Mars thing, just, it's just everything I think about. It's like he's kind of saying he knows that Mars and Earth are closest mm. every 26, or 26 months. Mm. So every 26 months, he wants to have a thousand spaceships 
that are going to launch themselves towards Mars. It's unbelievable. Hmm. So that's space. Have you anything on, the, on on space that's on your mind? On space? Well, inner space of a sort. Um, Go on. Because uh, I was having a look at things that, that have come to pass. Um, and they're, uh, well, actually, no, I'll start with an outer space one because I watched a lovely little film on Saturday night called Clara. Okay. You have not heard of this. No. I had not heard of it until okay. I found it on, on Apple TV. Apple, Oh, it's on Apple TV. It's on Apple TV, right. yeah. So it's a little, what, 90-hundred-minute movie. Okay. Watch it. It's great. Um, and it's basically about the search for extraterrestrial life, kind of, sort of, <gasps> not really. Is this about the original Queen of the Desert that uh, Jodie Foster played in Contact? No, oh. it isn't. This is about the forthcoming launch of the James Webb Telescope. Okay. And the additional capability we will be, we will have uh, in terms of how far we can see into space. Okay. And the film is about this um, obsessive academics um, search for an astral body that can be classified as a, as a planet and then is worthy of further examination to see if we can support human life, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating things in the film is the way that data is interpreted to indicate the presence of a planet as opposed to just something moving through space at, at random or that isn't planet okay. structure. And the way they do it is by looking at the indentation uh, of an object's movement through space. Got that wrong? Watch the movie. It will make perfect sense. <laughs> it's it's basically about, you know, interrogating data, looking at something, going, is that a planet? And then interrogating the data, finding out, well, that looks like a planet. And then they find something that looks like a planet, but is it? And are they able to tell whether that planet is habitable? Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the rest of the movie. All right. OK. It's called Clara. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really good. Is it a movie or is it a documentary movie? It's it's a movie movie. Uh, oh. And, you know, uh, there is a relationship story in there as well. It, they they play with the usual, mm. you know, buttoned up academic or buttoned up business guy who meets magical girl who makes him look at the world in a different way kind of a thing. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it a million times before, but the science aspect of it is really good. And the story it tells is really good. And the ending is very surprising. OK, excellent. Clara, I recommend we'll it. Keep an eye out for that on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Have you anything else then for uh, to wrap up with? Uh, as I said, I was talking about, uh, I, I made vague mention there of inner space. Yes. Uh, because initially when, when I sat down to look at look at ideas, I was like, OK, well, you know, things in space that have come to pass. But, but OK, uh, our next source space, if you will, our, our other final frontier, of course, the virtual world, hmm. which we're still constructing and exploring. Uh, and all this kind of thing. And we're finally starting to see um, the likes of uh, gesture control mature, voice control mature, um, digital personal assistance mature, uh, AI getting there, machine learning getting there. We are creating the proper building blocks of the Matrix. Oh, you are so touching on a movie I saw in the Savoy at the weekend. Ah, and, and and a movie that's coming out in November. Go on. Also, uh, we've we've got a new Matrix film. We've got a Matrix Resurrection. I sat down and I watched the third Matrix the other day. No, no, I, no. Went, I went, oh my God, that was awful. The, the error you made yes. is by accepting there were sequels made to the Matrix. 
<laughs> there were no sequels. The Matrix is a perfect action movie. It did not need sequels. Oh, there were no sequels. Oh, you're too much for you. Too much for me. I saw Free Guy at the weekend. Ryan Reynolds. All oh, right. Okay. The, and and actually, it was very good. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. Not not on the level of science fiction we're talking here, but it was mm. just he plays a a, a, a non role playing uh, character within a, a game, mm. and it's just brilliantly done. Yeah. All oh, right, and and uh, you know, also the Matrix. I I also meant to to throw in Ready Ready Player One. Which is um, that was great. You like that? Great movie, yeah. yeah. I I thought it was horrific. Yeah. I dislike the book and I hate the movie. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I, but all of that you're talking about kind of virtual worlds with yep. artificial life within them. Yep, it's As, it's exactly what could be. It's basically you know by today's standards, it's second yeah. life plus all other things that we have. All right. So we've got outer outer space, outer space, and, and inner space. inner space, and we've covered them all, and we've covered them both <laughs> from from middle space, That's, otherwise known as Earth. Yeah, and from, reality from a studio on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let us wrap it up there for this week. Now, thank you as always. Uh, do remember you can get the lowdown on all things uh, tech in Ireland and around the world. Uh, we give you hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more at our website techessential.ie. And of course, you can listen to us each week on. Online uh, with your favourite podcasting app or on Fridays with RTE Radio One Extra. Until next time, uh, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nile Kitson, thanks as always for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.